Yeah. And wondered why you didn't get skinny. Or maybe you're like me and you bought uh, a weight set and wondered why you didn't get muscles. <clears throat> and I even used it once. <laughs> or maybe, just maybe, you buy a nice new blue wool sweater. And you button that sweater and you wear it because you think it's going to make you cool. And then you find out that Nick was talking about you behind your back. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was in front of my face, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <clears throat> A lot of times the reason that this happens is because we don't apply to our life. We just most of the time try to purchase things or we read things or we listen to things or we buy sweaters. And they don't have uh, the effect on us that we thought they would because, like Scripture says, we can be hearers, we can listen to things, we can read things, we can buy treadmills, we can buy weight sets, we can buy low-fat food and all the good things. But truthfully, if we don't apply those things, if we don't use those things, if we don't put those things into motion, then nothing changes in our life. It's the same reason why James wrote, you know, don't just be hearers of the word and then therefore deceive yourself, right? Don't, don't just be consumers, but be active in what you do. Understand that you can buy a treadmill. It's not going to do anything for you unless you walk on said treadmill, right? You can buy weights. They don't do anything for you unless you use the weights. You can buy nice blue sweaters, and they're not going to do anything for you unless you can convince people that you were cool before you put the sweater on. <laughs> Which you all laugh, so that obviously is not the case. <laughs> we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. A lot of you know this as the love chapter of Scripture, and there's a good reason why that is. It's because for those of you who are married or, or have been married, this was in your marriage for most of you, right? This, this chapter of scripture most likely was quoted somewhere in your marriage ceremony. If not, you've heard it known as the love chapter because it talks about Avery love. There we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to be in verses 4 through 7. Now, I want you to know that there's some characteristics that we're going to read here. That all point to the same thing. That all point to you having to make a difference or you having to make a change in the way you love. Because I'm going to guarantee for the majority of us sitting in the room right now, we do not love in this way. Right? We, we do not do the characteristics that we're about to read of what love should really look like. And so I'm just going to tell you straight off the bat, you are not alone in this. A lot of us fail in this area. And then we say to ourselves, why does love fail us? When in truth, most of the time it is we who are failing love. Our love or our trust oftentimes looks like a concrete sidewalk, right? You, you have one way that you do it. And if anything interferes with that, if anything veers to the right or to the left, while you are on this trust walk with God, then they're out of the picture. Right? If they don't do things in their life 
the way that you think they should do things in their life, then what do you do with them? You shut them out of your life, right? You get mad, you stand firm, you hold strong to what you believe trust really means, and you shut everything else out of your life because you don't want to get hurt. Are you with me? This is how most of us are raised to believe that love and to believe that trust really works. Now here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. Now I'm going to tell you right now. It's going to be hard for you to believe. This one I mess up sometimes. Because in my marriage, I don't know about y'all, but in my marriage, when I get something right, and Sarah may not get it quite as right as I do, <laughs> I like to boast, right? I'm standing in the kitchen, clucking like a chicken, going, hey, I was right, and you were almost as right, but not quite. <laughs> but love does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. That's a big one. It is not easily angered. Here we go. It keeps a little record of some of the wrong. It keeps no record. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. Love isn't looking to catch someone doing something wrong. Can you see that in this scripture and understand that most of us don't live that way? <laughs> because we are set on a path of no pain. We believe that in our lives, everybody should do everything the way that we expect it to be done. They should love us the way we expect to be loved. They should treat us the way we expect to be treated. They should do everything the way that we expect it to be done. Our kids should listen, honor, and obey at all times, right? They're, I, if they're like my kids, they already do, right, Jordan? Yeah, right. right, son? Yeah, right. right? If they were like me when I was a kid, I know I listened to everything Daddy said. Right? I, 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 I obeyed 100%. Did everything my dad told me to do. Right? Let me tell you something. I remember one time <clears throat> that I came out of church and I had done something very bad. And I'm not going to tell you what that is because Jordan will use it as ammunition down the road. <laughs> but I had done something really bad. And I came out of church and it was me and my best friend's name was Tim. We had both really messed up in a really bad way. And I didn't think my dad knew, right? And so we came out of church, and my dad said, Brad, Tim, come, come here to my office real quick. Smile on his face. I'm looking at Tim. I'm like, oh, this is kind of weird. Well, okay. So we go into my dad's office. With one hand, this is not a joke. This is serious. With one hand, my father lifted me off of the ground and pinned me against the wall. And began to explain to me and my best friend Tim how big of an idiot we both were and how that would never happen again, right? And I just remember, you know the movies where your feet are like dangling? 
I'm not kidding you, that was me. And I was looking at my dad like, he really could end my life right now. <laughs> this, this could be over. Look at verse 7. Paul makes four statements here that really point to one idea. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. These are the four things we're really going to look at today. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Let me read it to you in the New American Standard. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. When we talk about, when we talk about trust in your relationships, in your life, now I'm getting personal here, not in what we all do as a generality, but what you do in your relationships with the people you have interactions with, are you always these four things? Are you always these four things? Do you look for the positive in people, or do you expect the negative? When you have confrontations with people, are they in a loving fashion, or are they in a I am the one with power here fashion? And your interactions are going to be with the people that you are in your family, the, the loved ones that are your children, that are your cousins, that are your aunts and uncles, and even most importantly, that are your spouses, or are your boyfriends and girlfriends, are your loved ones, are those that you're in the deepest relationship with, are those that you are embracing life with. These are the people that you encounter in a firsthand basis every single day. And you will determine what their vision of trust really looks like. If you're anything like me, you have a few rare people in your life who can love on this level, who trust on this level. And you look at those people and you say to yourself, much like I do, I, I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do it. I wish I could do that. I wish I could be more like that. I wish I could be an example of what that is like. But typically what happens is we pay more attention to the people who have been hurt and we build walls so that we don't get affected or we don't end up hurt or broken or in pain like that person. I care more about not being hurt, not being in pain, than I care about living life to the fullest. Do you understand? Because this is nice and simple and pretty, but let's be honest, the majority of us live like this. But do you know why we do? Because we choose to. Because from birth, we prepare ourselves for failure instead of preparing ourselves for blessing. We protect ourselves from pain instead of being vulnerable and allowing God to move through us. It's two completely different ways of living life. And what we're going to see here is, just like we talked about with forgiveness, just like we talked about with confession, and just like we talked about with rest, trust is a life application that God said to the Israelites and that Jesus said to us, that if you apply it in your life in a healthy, spiritual way, then it will be an application that can birth you into something new that God really wants you to do. There's two things that I want to 
stress to you. And the first is this. When it comes to trust, the first thing that we have to understand is that there will always be an unexplainable gap between what you expect people to do and what people actually do. Are you with me? When it comes to trust, there will always be a gap that's hard to explain, that may not be possible to explain, between what you expect people to do and what they actually do. Let, let me give you some examples of this. In your home, right? Wives, your husbands or girlfriends, your boyfriends have been asked to do certain things. And let me get an amen if your boyfriends or husbands have not lived up to your expectations in some of those things. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. One person. That's because men are good at this. <laughs> husbands, we're going to see you're in church. Husbands, boyfriends. There's times in your life, right, when you've asked your wife to do something, anything. Honey, brush your teeth, please. <laughs> right? I'm not, not my wife. I'm just saying Husbands, thank you. <laughs> At work, I'm, I'm just moving on because I don't want any of the rest of you to get beat up like Zach's going to get beat up later. <laughs> For work, there's been times where people that you work with have been late on a project, haven't done things the way that you expect them to do. Or maybe your boss has come down on you because... You don't do things the way that they expect you to do those things. Or, or maybe there's people at work who consistently talk about you behind your back because they don't like the way that you do your job. Or more importantly, maybe they just don't like you. And when it comes to your kids, right? I, I don't even have to get started. Amen. You with me? Sometimes the expectations of the way that you've laid out life for them, they don't want to walk down that road. And you say to them, I will literally end you if you don't walk down this road. There's a gap between the expectations of what you, uh, of what you think. Let me, let me tell you the biggest area that we're all encountering right now. Politicians. <laughs> what? We're just going to move on. We're just going to move on. We're just going to move on. In healthy relationships, in healthy relationships, here's what happens. I'm sweating. Are you hot? Is it just me? It's a sweater. It's a sweater. I would take it off, but I don't want you to melt from my hotness. That's a Jordan line I just threw out there for you. <laughs> hey, I learned from the best. <clears throat> In healthy relationships, once we understand that there's going to be an, an unexplained gap between what you expect people to do and what they actually do, then the first thing that you have to understand is what does a healthy relationship look like? Because you're going to be healthy or you're going to be unhealthy. An unhealthy relationship will automatically begin rejection, right? As soon as you find out that these things are happening in your home, in your workplace, or in your relationships, you're automatically going to start rejection. A healthy relationship does something completely different. Healthy relationships will go to ridiculous lengths, will go to undescribable lengths, will go to lengths that your friends 
and your loved ones will think that you're crazy to do in order to find trust, in order to find an explanation, in order to find hope, in order to persevere, in order to see the light at the end of what you appear may be a really dark tunnel ahead of you. Healthy relationships will go to undescribable measures to find that little bit of hope. Because that's what it takes to persevere. That's what it takes to always trust. It's hard to be in a relationship and to ask a loved one who has failed you to explain themselves and to always hope. It's hard to be in a relationship with a child who has failed you and ask them to explain themselves and not fall into the trap of hoping that they incriminate themselves so that you can nail them, but of really hoping that there's a good explanation for what just took place. To always trust, you've got to go to an unbelievable level where most people just won't go because it's going to cost you, because you're going to have to get vulnerable. You're going to have to be open to what happens instead of shutting down and preparing yourself for the pain. There's really only two things that happen, though. If you go negative, nothing good can come from it. If you go negative, you're automatically going to harm the trust. If you open the door for someone to be really good at what they do, they're going to strive to be really good at what they do. If you open the door for someone to fail at what they do, guess what they're going to strive at? Failing at what they do. If you come to someone and at the very beginning of this hurtful and, and, and in despair moment, of this moment where they have pained you, and you tell them right off the bat, you have ended my trust. I can't trust you. You've hurt me. Then, then guess what they're going to fulfill in the rest of your relationship? Pain. Because that's what you've opened the door for. Now, what if you're like Christ? And in the midst of a moment where you know that people are going to reject you, you know that people are going to hurt you in a way that none of us will ever experience. You know that people are going to reject the very image of what your being is. And yet the first interaction that you have with those people is love, is to help, is to be sincere, is to find the truth, is to be open to the positive, is to hope that there's an explanation. It's not to get negative but it's to be open for the positive. Then you're creating a completely different path of where this relationship is going to go. You're opening the door for healing in this relationship that you may not have been open for up until this point. Because it is no longer just about you feeling better. Now it's about your relationship healing, which in turn means their healing as well. And most of the pain that happens in our life comes from the pain in the other person's life. Because no one ever gave them the opportunity to heal. No one ever opened the door for them to understand what a relationship with Christ might be like. Instead, what I have done in all my relationships is as soon as I get hurt, guess what I do? I shut that door. 
And so before you know it, I reached the end of my life. And there's all these people that God put in my path that I may reach them, that I may speak to them about God, that I may help them find a relationship with Christ. And I have led none of them to the Lord because the one moment that I had interaction with them and they hurt me because they're living in hurt, I shut that door. I closed that relationship. And what Jesus says is this. What you have to understand, what Paul wrote is, love bends. It's not a concrete sidewalk. It's not a one-way view. It understands that, listen, if I'm having interaction with Nick, I'm mad at Nick because he made fun of my sweater. But what I have to understand about Nick is Nick just made fun of my sweater because Nick doesn't have a sweater like this. And he wants a sweater, right? The truth is in our relationships are a lot like that. There's pain in the other person's life, and they project that pain into your relationship. And if you close that door... If you don't know what it means to bend in your love, to understand that in this moment of my vulnerability, I'm going to have to forgive that one person that I just don't want to forgive. And God, you're going to have to open that door and heal some hurt in me in order that I may be able to do that. Because maybe somewhere down the road, there's a place where this relationship is supposed to go. And it will never get there if I shut this door in the first instance of pain. Are you with me? True love, true trust, always hopes, always perseveres. Not sometimes, not when it's not going to hurt me, not when I feel like it, always. Always is a hard word. People say never say never, it's just as hard to say always. Always. Because what that means is you, most of us are going to have to change the way we handle our relationships. Most of us are going to have to change the way we handle our relationships. For a lot of us, it's with people that we've closed the door on a long time ago. Or maybe it's with people that we're closing the door on right now. And, and we're going to have to turn face And we're going to have to open our hearts for a different journey. If we can understand that we'll be happier when our relationships are healthier, then we can choose to trust. And let me tell you what's going to have to happen. You're going to have to confront. You're going to have to confront. That's the hard part, right? The hardest part of the healing process is the confrontation moment. It's the moment where you're going to have to get real with somebody. It's the moment where you're going to have to say to somebody, I am done living life in this way. I'm done letting you hurt me in this way. And for us to move forward in a healthy way, you're going to have to change the way we do this. And let me tell you what that looks like in your marriage. In your marriage, sometimes that happens with the padding of a counselor. And that's scary. I know that. But sometimes that's how that happens. Most of the time it happens when you can be honest with your spouse, when you can be honest with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, when you can be honest with the one that you're having a relationship with right now. Your partner has to understand where you are on an emotional and spiritual basis 100% of the time, even if it disagrees. Even if I wear the red shirt in politics and my wife wears the blue shirt in politics and we want to battle every November. The point is this. You're going to have to open the door for confrontation because if I let that fester, what's going to happen? It's going to blow up, right? 
at work, it's going to look like this. You're going to have people that you work with that you're going to have confrontation with, right? I have it here at the church. My little volunteer staff, right? We get together. We have our ministry meetings. And I'm going to tell you, there's, there's times where I want to beat my head against the wall, right? Because we're just not on the same page. But whose fault is that? That's my fault, right? I have to communicate better. I have to tell them in a better because truthfully, they're carrying out exactly what I've told them to do. So if it doesn't look like the way I want it to look, then I need to communicate better. So in your workplace, a lot of it's going to be communication. Communication is how you're going to open that door. What about your kids? What happens when your kids break your trust? What happens when your kids don't do what you say? You punish, right? But here, parents, here's what we don't do so good of a job at. Forgiving and forgetting. Because it's much easier for me to stand over Jordan's head and every time he starts walking down that path, to smack him with a two-by-four and say, remember how stupid you were a week ago? Right? Forgiving is the hardest thing to do. Allowing our children to walk and to learn on their own two feet is the hardest thing to do. To stop defending my son every time he messes up and, and say, you know what, son? You have to learn. You have to take the consequence on this one. I'm not going to cover that up for you. My grace isn't like Jesus. Right? You have to walk and you've got to be in pain. But I'm going to be here with you, and I'm going to forgive you. And by forgiveness, what I mean is, I promise you I'm not going to bring this up and beat you up with it every time we talk. I really do forgive you. It's all connected. It's all interlinked. All of these life apps, they go together. You can't possibly know to trust somebody. You can't possibly know what it's like to trust if you are physically depleted, if you are spiritually in pain. So you need rest. You can't possibly get rest if your soul is in conflict. So you know what you need? Confession. And you can't possibly confess if you don't know how to forgive. You follow me? All of these things are interconnected, and they're all laid out there in front of us. And God is saying in the easiest way possible. He has said it from the very beginning with Adam. He said it to all the Israelites Right? He wrestled with Jacob about it. He sent Jesus to teach us. It's a continuous cycle of saying that if you would just get it and apply it, you will live life in a way that I have meant for you to live life. It's not about eternity. That's a big part of it, but that's not it. It's about now. It's about how to live now. If, if we can learn to do these things, if we can learn to bear all things, if we can learn to believe all things, to hope all things, to endure all things in our relationships, could you imagine how many more relationships, how many more interactions, how many more opportunities to love God and to love people? Could you imagine, church, if all of our churches functioned in this way? If instead of building up walls and holding out the people who don't believe like we believe, if instead we tore those walls down and figured it out together, could you imagine what God's church would look like if we really loved God and loved people the way that he has laid out for us in Scripture? This is what it's going to take. It's going to take you 
figuring out whether or not you are somebody who believes the best in people or if you're someone who lives life expecting the worst. It's going to take you figuring out whether or not you naturally go positive or naturally go negative with my spouse, with my partner, with my kids, with those who that I work with. Am I naturally positive or am I naturally negative? It's going to take you figuring out how do I break that cycle. Who is the first relationship that I'm going to try something different with? And finally, it's starting to understand that Luke chapter 6, verse 31. Does anybody know what verse that is? Luke 6, 31. It's one of the scriptures that all of us have memorized, but none of us really do very well. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Will you stand with me? You know, one of the difficult things about this Christian walk is that there are expectations. You know, God, God never said, listen, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send my son to you, and I'm going to make him pay the ultimate penalty so that you can go through life doing anything you want to do, living in a world of sorrow and pain, protecting yourself from any relationship you may have, living with walls so thick and so tight that you've never built a healthy relationship in your life. And then one day stand amongst all of them and be judged in a different way. What, what God has said is, is much easier than that. He, he said this. He said, listen, I want to have a relationship with you. And what I want you to understand about my relationship with you is that it's a healthy one. And it's one that teaches you that if you live life, if you apply life the way that I have asked you to, you will live abundantly. You will live a blessed life. And, and church, please understand, I'm not talking about money. And I'm not talking about houses and cars and clothing. I'm talking about health. I'm talking about relationship. I'm talking about family. I'm talking about love in a way that all of us seek. All of us are created with that God void that we fill with all that garbage that we think is blessing, but it's nothing but pain. God says, let me fill the void with real love. So here's my challenge to you. My challenge to you this week, find that relationship and begin to trust again in a new way. It may be someone that you can think of right off the bat. It may be someone that you haven't spoken to in years. But take that first step. Take that first step. Always hope. Always persevere. Always love. Always trust. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you so much for this opportunity. Father, I thank you for healing. And God, I pray, Lord, that as we move forward, as we find those relationships, that, Father, you would reveal those to us, that you would show us in a bright and vivid way, that, Father, we know exactly who you are speaking to and 
what door you're opening in our life. And God, I pray that you first heal the pain in us, that you first heal the rejection in us, and help us to understand that, God, in you, all things are provided. All things are possible. That your love truly never fails. So, Father, I find hope in you. God, I pray today that you give me the strength. That, Father, you give me the passion to trust wholly and to love fully. And I praise you and I worship you for all that you're going to do and for all that you have done. I love you. In Jesus' name I pray.